Dave was like, who won? You don't want to say, bad sportsman. Life City are bad sportsmen. She's terrible. Um, It was not the Hurricanes, I understand. They came second. Hurricanes came second. So that's not too far, okay? They came first on the second half. (laughs) I didn't watch the game last night. I was being very good and stayed home and just sat in my room and read my word and being holy before God last night, which I was. After I watched a series of Netflix yesterday, just like to tell you, I watched a really good series of Netflix yesterday. It was cool. Okay. Um, if you have your word, which you should have, let's turn to the book of Luke. Um, up, I think I've got something going up there. Um, but this morning, I want to share a message that I spoke back in 19, uh, 2008, no, 2016. I spoke this word over the house. Now, I'm re-speaking this word not because I didn't have anything to speak to you about. It's because it's relevant for today, and I think we need to continue to talk about some stuff that maybe I've spoken to us before about. Is that okay? So you've heard this message before, um, and as as um, as that's my grandson. It has to be my grandkids. Um, so I hope that you will give this message another um, another earlobe that you will just open yourself up to hear from this message. So it's I am should be up there. There should be a PowerPoint. Thanks, Mr. Theo. Yes. I am dot, dot, dot. Someone say, I am dot, dot, dot. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Luke. Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. One thing that I've discovered from the Lord is is what the Lord says. When he says in the book of Revelation, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he says, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Our God is a God of invitation. I want us to understand that he's a gentleman, that he is a God that invites, that he will only do as much as you and I invite him to do. So if we don't give him much, we're not going to expect much because he's a God of invitation. So if we're not going to invite him into much areas of our lives, then we're not going, we should not expect that all areas of our life are going to be overflowing. Amen? Because God is a God of invitation and he only comes in the places in which you invite him in. But if you and I dare to go deeper with God into deep, deep waters, if you and I dare to invite him into the depths of our hearts and really invite him in, and over 14 days I started like, I, I, my husband knew and I started like shaking. My legs started shaking and I was a bit like, so I had to go and put some glucose into my body. You know, when you fast, you've got to be very wise. You can't be silly. And I went and I, I went down to countdown. I just got some glucose and I just started, I just needed a sugar a sugar hit because you're, you're detoxing, well, you're, you're fasting 14 days and then you start shaking and your body starts um, reacting. And, you know, my first instant was like, oh, maybe I have to eat something. My husband said, you might need to just have, you know, something to eat. And I thought, no, I'm just going to suck on some glucose, right? So if you're a bit like me and you're shaky a bit, just suck some glucose. Tell your neighbor, do some sucking and suck some glucose. So if you want to invite him into the depth of your heart, if you dare to invite him into the secret places of your lives. Now, we all have secret places. 
I, I, I'm just going to say we all have these secret places in our lives that we think that God doesn't know about, but I'm going to tell you God knows about all your secrets. But if we dare to invite him into those secret places, if we dare to invite him into the depths of our heart, because it's an invitation, God will take that invitation and he will come. Amen? So we all have these secret places. And we need to find, we need to know that he will come in and in those places he does transformation, in those places in which we allow him in. Now, I want to say this to us, that Jesus is an amazing storyteller. He is absolutely amazing. He spoke in parables. He, he shared stories that were relevant for the time. When he was talking to a lawyer, um, he would always talk to the lawyers of those days. He would talk about the keys. Because in those days, in Bible times, lawyers will walk around with keys. Those keys were keys to different rooms in the place. And then he described the keys as the keys to the kingdom of heaven. When he spoke to the farmer, he spoke, he spoke to the farmer about sowing and reaping, right? So Jesus is an amazing storyteller who uses the environment to share stories in order for them to see what he's trying to tell them. Amen? So when he talks to lawyers, he talks to them about keys. When he talks to farmers, he talks to them about, about sowing and reaping. He meets people. He has this ability of meeting people where they're at. But at the same time, he will not only meet us where we're at, he's always got this ability to move us higher. See, the thing about God, and we all know this, God is really interested. He, what he put deposits in us is not for our now. What he deposits in us is for our future. Everything which he gives you, we think, oh, we don't really need that. Or you may be working at a factory and you think, oh, this job really sucks and I don't like this job. But the Lord's put you there to teach you some stuff. And you think, well, I'm not meant to be in a factory. I'm meant to own my own business. And the Lord's going to deposit some stuff here in order for you to hold there. So God has his ability to deposit stuff into our lives, not for just our today. He puts things stuff into our lives for our future us. Are you okay? Future us. Someone say future us. So in the book of Luke 10, we're going to read two scriptures, um, verse 30 to 31. Jesus is, has been asked a question, and he answers the question by telling a story. And because our father likes telling stories, he introduces the story like this. Let's read it. Verse 10. Uh, chapter 10, verse 30 to 31. Uh, have we got it? Then Jesus, can we read this together? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, oh no, no, no. Yeah, and now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. This is the story that Jesus is sharing because a lawyer asks a question, and he asks a question about how he can inherit eternal life. And then Jesus tells them the story. Jesus answered and said, a certain man. I love how our Lord includes us in his stories. Because he's sharing a story, a parable, to try and explain how they can receive eternal life and he, how they can be neighbours. And he shares the story by using a certain man. Can I tell you that any of us can be that certain man? 
He doesn't name the men. He doesn't name them Bartimaeus. So he doesn't name them Matthew. He doesn't say Haku. He doesn't say Jordan. He doesn't say Tishan. He doesn't say Yvonne. He doesn't say Sydney. He says a certain man. Now, God has the ability to draw you and I into the story because we can be that certain man. You and I can be this person in the word of God because he's not naming a person. He's naming a certain man. Are we okay? And this is what he is about. He is not limiting this to just a person, just one person. He's including you and I. The Bible says that this certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, if you understand the makeup of where Jericho and Jerusalem sit, it's not that the certain man was going down to Jericho because actually he should be going up. If he's leaving Jerusalem to go to Jericho, he'll be going upwards. But whenever you and I lose or remove ourselves from our very source, we are always going to go down. And I share this very much. Jerusalem is the city of the Lord. Jerusalem is a place of where the tabernacle is, where the temple is. Jerusalem is a place of worship. This is the chosen people. God chose Jerusalem. And this certain man, it says that he left and he went down to Jericho. Anytime we leave a place in which the Lord has designated, we are always going to go downwards. We're not going up. Even though geographically he was going up, he was not going down. Does that make sense? Our source... The value of being together in the body of Christ is that we're able to supply the needs to one another. When we say God supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, that's what the Bible says. You are the supplied need to one another. We think, oh, no, it's God. No, 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 God's put it in your neighbor. God's put it in you. God's supplied you so you can supply others. The great thing about this story is a certain man like me or woman like me, whenever I leave the place in which God has designed me to live, I'm always going to go downwards. I'm going to spiral downwards. God doesn't want us to spiral down. God wants to take us to high places. Can someone say high places? So Jesus is making this point that because whether or not we, if we leave the things of God, We are leaving God and his source. We cannot leave God's source because that's the source of our life. Amen? Are you okay? So the Bible then says that he fell amongst thieves. Someone say fell amongst thieves. It's It's like Jesus is saying, lady, tripped over and he fell over and there were thieves there. Now, we've got to understand the time and era in which this was, word was written. Now, we know the road to Jericho is a very dangerous road. People always went two by two. If you can remember when Jesus sent out his disciples, he sent them two by two. Because whenever you travel down this particular road, it is prone to be having thieves in that road. But this certain man, he went by himself. He went by himself. Friend, we need each other. We can't live this life isolated or by ourselves. We need one another so that when the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, we've got others to help us so he can't kill, steal and destroy. Amen? 
So the Bible says that he fell amongst thieves like he just fell over, but that's not what it means. Everyone in this time period knew about this road from Jerusalem to Jericho and Jericho to Jerusalem. It was a road in which thieves will hang out and they would want to, to take from people. This is what this road was known for. So he traveled by himself, and that was so stupid. You and I can't travel by ourselves. There are two things, and we always say this from this platform, and it's, everyone says this, two things you can't do, you can't be a Christian by yourself. You need someone to marry, so you can't be by yourself. You need one another. We need one another. Amen? And then it says this, they stripped him of his clothing, they wounded him, and they left him dead. Now, this is really important. Now, I shared this back in 2016. I feel that it's really strips clothing they're coming to strip your identity um they would know who the priests and the levites were by their clothing you and i know who a police officer is by their clothing you and i can see a nurse by their clothing we can see a mcdonald worker by their clothing we can see a countdown worker by their clothing they recognize and the identity is in the things that they wear but the very first thing that this thief does is that he strips a certain man from his clothing. If the enemy can strip you from who you are, he can then start wounding you and making you bleed. Do you understand what I'm saying to you this morning? They were known by what they wore. This certain man was walking down and the thief, he fell amongst thieves, and the first thing they did was they stripped his clothing. What he is saying is that the enemy who has set up an ambush against us, he will always go against who you are. Who are you? See, when people ask who I am, I don't identify myself as I'm a mother, I'm, I'm a daughter, I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that. But who are we according to God's word? And if we don't figure out who we are, you're going to believe every lie that the enemy tells you who you are. It may be your truth, but it's not the truth. You may think it's real. You may think it's tr your truth, but it's not truth. So when the, when the enemy tries to tell me, um, this week I had, a, a, I had a important meetings and my husband took me up. I had to go into Wellington to see Commissioner. And when I went into the office and I said to him when I left, oh, please pray for me. I was so nervous to go see the Commissioner and, and, and sort some stuff out. And, and the enemy was telling me that I'm going to look stupid in front of the Commissioner. So guess what I had to do? I had to walk, and my husband doesn't know this, but I got out of the car, he dropped me off, and I went into this, the big corporate offices in Wellington, and I've got lifts kind of in the middle, and then I've got a cafe. Well, I went right around the lift seven times. I walked around the whole lift seven times before I even went up the lift. I went around seven times trying to get my mind to focus on truth. God says I can do things. God said he will speak on my heart, behalf. So I'm walking around like this wall of Jericho seven times in a very corporate place, and he's me going around seven times. And people must think I've lost my marbles. Because truth, my truth, was telling me I can't do it. My truth was telling me the words that I use aren't very intelligent. 
my truth was telling me, gosh, you're just this married girl and you're going to go and sit in front of the commissioner and you're selling him a product that probably he won't take or she won't take. And this is how I'm thinking. This is my thinking. Seven times I had to go around that lift because I was too scared to go up, by the way. You know. Oh, you're, you're all right, but I'm just saying I have this fear of, of sometimes I fear man, so I have to sort myself out. So it took me seven attempts to go around. And I started doubting who I was, and then that truth became my reality. I was like, oh, my gosh, why am I thinking this way? I can do it. So I had to meditate on God's word seven times. I went around there. It was not little left, by the way. It was really huge, and I had to go around seven times. It took me like seven or eight minutes to go around. But I went around seven times to get my head straight so I can focus on God's truth. You see, the enemy will always come. He can't wound us if we know who we are. If you and I know who we are, he can't touch us. The moment we start doubting who we are, the enemy will come and he will wound you. So he will always come and strip off who you are. Who are you? I am dot, dot, dot. I am dot, dot, dot. So in those days, a garment was a symbol of identity. And you can recognize a beggar in those days. You will know a beggar by what they wore. You will know a priest by what they wore. Do you know when Jesus calls Bartimaeus? The blind, the bigger. And what does Bartimaeus do once he has his healing? He throws off his garments. And I think to myself, he switched identity. He's no longer a bigger. He's now been healed and he's got a new nature in Christ Jesus. Some of us are still wearing garments that should not be on us. You believe me, we're believing lies. The enemy is wanting you to believe that you can't and you will not and you will never do. I never ever thought that we will be doing the things that we're doing. Far over and above what I can think or imagine and God's doing great things. Amen? So Bartimaeus, he threw off his old nature, he threw off his old identity and he left behind what, he was, what was holding him back from his future. Today, the same thing applies with our identity. We are all, um, do you know when you see someone and they're all dressed like, you can tell a businessman by the way they dress. You know, they've got a suit and tie on and, you know, you, you know they wear like, like these things around their neck with, you know, their logo on it and you kind of know the business people. You know, if you go into Wellington, you'll see them. They all got them around their neck and, it's like the business people. You can identify them straight away. But if they weren't wearing that clothing, they would just be any normal Joe Block. Does that make sense? So this morning, I want to say this to us. That the thief will come and take off our identity in order for him to start wounding us. He stripped off his clothing. The thief will not wound us unless he's able to take your identity. Who do you? Who are you? Have you ever thought to ask yourself, "You're more than a builder, Des"? Kind of. You're you're more 
you know, than an office person, Angus. Jordan's more than a pastor. Haku's more than a truck driver. I'm more than a pastor. That's not who I am. That's what I do. But who am I? What I do is not who I am. Are you okay? Um, most women, especially mums, you know, and you ask, oh, you know, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just a mum. I'm thinking, you're more than just a mum, girl. Because they've identified what they do for who they are. You're more than just a mother. You're nurturing maybe the next prime minister. You're nurturing the, the next intelligent, creative kind of bookseller. or what, You're nurturing our future. You're more than a mum. Haku's more than a truck driver. There's more to him than that. So who does God say you are? What is he saying about you? See, we've got to stop reading magazines and Facebook that defines who we are as a person. Um, I don't really go much on Facebook. I miss out a lot because people like post their lives, but I try and get on there probably every three or four days because, you know, Jordan and that do, you know, they Facebook my stuff. And I, when I go on, I just see these, like, people trying to define people by little mottos. And that bothers me. I'm just thinking, my sister's not there. She's bigger than that. And we identify ourselves with what the world says that we are, our clothing, the way we dress, the way we cut our hair, our makeup, ladies, the way we smell, the way, what shoes we wear, what bags we wear, how we walk, how we talk. It's kind of defined in an image that really is not us. And God wants us to know who we are. Even though all those is important, and to glory loves shoes, I love bags. We're in good company. That is important. But we've got to know who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen? You know, sometimes we say these things, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. We say things like, I'm never going to make it. And we start speaking against the very thing in which God created. Hear yourself, family. You are actually cursing God. Every time you say to yourself, I'm so stupid, I can't do it, I'm so dumb, I, I, you know, I can't do nothing. You are not hurting just yourself. You're telling God that he's made a mistake in you. Now, as far as I know, God doesn't make mistakes. Everything that you is in you, God gave to you. You know, all your emotions, I mean, um, Mrs. Gilbert, we, have a fun, uh, we crack up about this. She's a very emotional lady. And I keep saying to her, I've said to her many times, I said, don't ever change that. Because God gave her the emotion. Our emotions is like the voice of our heart. Whatever's in your heart, if you cry, people know that you're sad or happy, depending on why you're crying. If, if your emotions, if you're showing anger, your emotions reflect that anger, people know you're angry. Your heart's having a voice. So, the way Mrs. Gilbert is, her, she's very emotional and she doesn't have to change because God gave her those emotions. But we as born-again believers are so scared to be emotional because we don't want to look like we're weak Christians. I'm like, man, if I want to cry, I'm going to cry. If I'm going to get angry, I'm going to get angry and pray not to sin in my anger. Hey, honey. <laughs> no comment. 
In Psalms 100, 100 verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord, he is, he is God. It is he who made ourselves. Are you hearing this? It's he that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his part. You and I, the way he wanted to make you and I. Who are you? Questions. We're in day 14 and it's, it's talking about corporately and individual prayers being answered. Write down, this is who I am. Every day ask God, who am I, God? Not defined by what you do. Not defined by your bank account. Not defined by... By, by how many kids you got, not the who are you according to God's word. Amen? So God gave you a, a unique, and these unique qualities are because he has a purpose for you in the body of Christ. In this world, we, are, we need to know who we are or else others will define us. Who are you? My husband got up this morning from the book of Sine, I'm going to share. And he gets himself dressed because he has to go and pick up our daughter from the airport. And um, he gets up and he goes, stands in front of the mirror. I can see him. I'm reading my word trying to be sanctified. And he's standing in front of the mirror. And I'm telling you guys, if you want to like, he stands here like this. He's like a woman. I'm like, and he goes, he's that handsome man. And he's like talking to himself. And I think to myself, I've got to record you because I'm sure the church does not believe that he does what he does every day. He's like standing there. He's that handsome man. And he's looking at himself and I'm thinking, I do that. Like he's like measuring his butt and he's going this way. And I'm like, that is so weird. You're like a woman. But he's doing that. Why? Because he knows who he is. He's not defined by culture. He's someone. Yes. But that's not who he is. Amen? So the garment of praise, the Bible says, if we've got a heavy, heavy spirit, the Bible says you need praise because praise removes the heaviness, clothing. And the Bible says that we are clothed with the robe of righteousness. The enemy does not want us to know who we are. The Bible then says that he stripped him from his cups of beef can strip you from your identity he will start to wound you and cause you to bleed. There are substances. And I'll say this, Christ, and we're not getting our wounds dealt with. And the reason why the enemy has a whole play on us is because you've lost who you are. It says, for life, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, Leviticus 17. Some of us are bleeding this morning. Our life has been taken away from us because we're wounded. Do you know people can wound you by what they say to you and me? I know that when anyone is in the public arena, I'm just thinking about, you know, different in different areas. That's why my Facebook is closed. Because people have got a huge opinions. There's opinions about me in every like social media outlet. They've got opinions, opinions, opinions. And I'm thinking, who are you? But I know who I am. So to be completely honest, it does not wound me at all. I'm not bleeding over someone else's opinion on who I am. But today, that if you're bleeding, if you're, it's because you're wounded, and maybe you need to put the garment of God back on you. He stripped him of his clothing, he wounded him, and they departed, leaving him half dead. Um, you see, the enemy 
doesn't need to destroy you. He just needs to start the process. You destroy yourselves. Let's be honest. The enemy doesn't need to come and, and cause your family to go, you know, to split and go crazy. No, he just needs to sow a seed and walk away. We do the rest. We do the rest. What do I mean? I mean we do the rest by how we react and respond in those situations. Um, people say, oh, man, the devil visited me tonight. And I'm thinking, well, I thought the devil was over that house, but the devil's over there. I didn't know that he's only present. I thought only God was. But we like had the devil in everyone's houses. I didn't know he was that like that and clever like God. I didn't know he could be in all places at all times. He's just a snake under my feet. Like a, you, Do you know what I mean? He doesn't need to be in your house. He just needs to sow seed. You, you and I can, you know, mess up our household ourselves. Why? By the way, we react and respond. Make sense? Are you okay? Now, we've got to get this. So the time that these were written, the garments people wore were very valuable. It showed their value. It showed their value. We do it today. If you can wear Nikes, people think you're rich. If you go to if you go to the warehouse, they're like, oh yeah. But there you got Kmart, so it's kind of middle between, you know, warehouse and Kmart, kind of a little step up. But if you go to farmers, they think, oh you, you know. So these value people look at your clothing and they they determine how how like much money you got. It's just crazy. Just come with me to the second hand shop. Come on. Let's be real. People put so much value in what they wear, and I just think my word tells me that not even moths like when like I go secondhand shops and people think I buy new outfits. I'm like, no, I bought it for five bucks, man. And I go secondhand shop, and it's because the word tells me that not even the moth will eat away at my clothes. It will last a lifetime, and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, make this last a lifetime. I may have 22 pairs of shoes, but you think that they're all brand new. No. They're all from the second hand shop. Hallelujah. So people put so much worth in their clothes, and that's how they decide how valuable they are. See, clothing and garments in those times, they were a life source. When it was hot, they would cover themselves from the sun. When it was cold, they will use their clothing to wrap themselves up. That's how valuable the clothing was. If someone took their garment, it was only a matter of time before you would die because of the elements, either hot or cold. If the devil can steal our identity, it's only a matter of time that you and I will start dying off. We might not completely die. We'll be half dead. But if he can steal who you are, that means he can wound you. And if he can make you bleed, it's enough to keep you half dead. And we can't be in the house of God and remain half dead. And I'm, I'm saying this because sometimes I, I, I have to correct people when they speak because what they're speaking is not truth. They're hearing a lie and they believe it. Oh, Pastor, I'll never, ever be able to go to university. I'm like, oh, where does that say in the Bible? Let's turn to the Bible and see what it says. 
I'll never be able to go to university. Why? Because I can't. I can't do it. And I'm like, you're, just hurt. you're believing a lie. You're believing a lie. Who are you? Amen? Who are you? He stripped off his clothing, wounded him, leaving him half dead. And some of us this morning, we have been wounded and we're bleeding and we're still alive. We're still here, but we're kind of half dead. When the thief can convince you that you've got a wrong identity, when he can start telling you who you are and you start believing his lies, then you start reacting and responding like that. Um, you know, growing up in, in a Māori whānau, and, you know, in a state house in Palmerston North, you know, uh, we weren't very wealthy. Well, we weren't wealthy. We just, you know, back in those days, if you had food on your... My mum did the best to feed us, but there were some times where, you know, the alcohol just was more important than the kai. And I can tell you right now that it was hard moments that I was brought up like that and that's all our family did. So um, in the saying in my family when back in those days, okay, when we turn 16, we get pregnant so we can get on the benefit. That was the mentality back in my days. That's my whanau. That's how it is. If, if, if you can just get pregnant, you'll get money when you're 16 and you'll get youth payments and you'll be fine. You'll go on the door, you'll be fine with one child. You can, you know, make it. It was a lie. So we all believe the lie. And then one day when I met Jesus, I had to break the lie off my life. But do you know how hard it is to break a lie? It's like breaking every cultural boundary that you thought was there. It's breaking every mindset because, you're, you know, your whānau is part of gang life. You're not in a good whānau. Well, you might love my mum and dad, love them to pieces. You know, but they just did the best that they can. And back in those days, it was the best that they could do. But you start believing the lie. So when I married, I took the lie with me. He was working at, um, he was still working as a colour technician. Oh, that's a flash word. He was just mixing paint. <laughs> colour technician. That's what it was. Eh? It was an eye matcher. It was, he, was, he was a colour technician for different companies. And so I took that lie with me, thinking that we could never purchase a house, thinking that we could never do anything. I just thought, because, you know, I come from a poor mentality, so I'm believing this lie. Well, when, honestly, when Jesus got part of my heart and I started starting to confess what the Word of God says in my life, things started to change even when I didn't believe it. I sometimes read the Bible and don't believe it. I'm not you, I'm just saying me. I sometimes read the Bible when it says I can do all things through Christ Jesus. And in me I'm thinking, I don't believe it, but I'm going to just say it anyway until my body catches up to what my spirit is saying. It just takes me a bit of time, so grace me. Are you okay? Hallelujah. Mr. Maxwell, get up and do the haka. The moment we buy into the false identity, it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. We need to be careful. 
you will begin to act the way that brings that will continue to bring us damage. If we act the way that is not truth, it will damage our goods. You start believing that you are unworthy before God. Oh my gosh. Do you sometimes feel that way? Like you just, you, you, you muck up in life, and I don't know about you, but we muck up. When I muck up, and then I start condemning myself because I mucked up and I should know better because I'm the pastor. Where did that come from? It's a lie. We all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. So excuse me if I'm human and I'm going to muck up sometimes, but I'm going to keep a short account of my sin and make sure I bring it before God so that he will forgive me for my sins so I can just move on. So we all muck up and we all do things that are wrong and we all start believing I'm just unworthy. Once you believe no one loves you, then you start acting in that manner. Who cares? You see people that just don't care. I don't care. You do care. You just need to be loved. The devil doesn't need need to kill us. We just do it ourselves, being honest. We start believing the lies and then we start telling ourselves that that's who we are. He sowed the seed. Once the seed is there, we just water it. We do it ourselves, and we've got to stop doing that. I want to read this, these to, this to us this morning. I am a child of God. I am the branch of the true vine, and I am a friend of Jesus. I'm just reading because this is from the Word of God. I have been justified, and I am redeemed. My old man has been crucified, and I am no longer a slave to sin. I will not be condemned by God because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I am from the law of sin and death. And as a child of God, I am in partnership. I have been accepted by him. Now, people may not accept you, but just remember, I've been called to be a saint. Now, you know what? I don't need the queen to saint and lord of lords. I have been set free. I have been accepted by Christ and I've been called a saint. In Jesus Christ, I have wisdom because my education doesn't tell me that I have wisdom. If you don't finish school, like me, leave at a very young age and you don't complete and you leave school without reading and writing, you believe that you have not got wisdom. But in Christ, I have wisdom. I have righteousness. I have been sanctified and I am redeemed. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Even though I fall short, he said he won't leave me nor forsake me. Even though I fall short, I am joined with the Lord and I'm one with him in spirit. He says God leads me to triumph and knowledge in Christ. It says that my mind is being renewed daily. And I think to myself, I don't read the word enough. But my mind has been renewed daily. Do you hear the lie? You need to read more. No, my mind's been renewed daily. Do you hear the lie? I'm a new creature in Christ. I've been, I have become righteousness through Christ Jesus. I've been one with him who is in Christ. I've been set free in Christ, Mrs. Pike. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So when I believe that I have nothing, I just have to remind myself I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. The word says I am chosen. The word says I am holy. The word says I am blameless before God. This is the word. 
He says, I am redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Christ. So when you mess up, when you lose your anger, men, woman of God, when you decide to pick up your mate and throw him out of the house, you know those moments. You've got to know this word because this word will keep you strong. This word will not cause you to be condemned because you and I can cause ourselves to be condemned. It says, I've been predestined. If God's predestined me, it means that I am a finished work. Can, you hear, can, can we hear this? If I have been predestined, that means, and he knows my end from the beginning, that means that I'm actually already finished in his eyes. I'm finished. I am his workmanship. I am completely finished because he predestined me, which he, know, he knows my end. So I'm finished in him. But even though I'm walking on this earth and he's still finishing me, he still sees the finished work. Whoa. He says, I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He's not leaving you. He will leave 99 to get you. Because of God's mercy and love, I have been made alive in Christ. I am God's workmanship created to produce good works. That means when I'm not producing good works, then something's wrong and I need to realign myself. I've been brought near to God by the blood of Jesus, of the body of Christ, and a partaker in his promise. Now, we've got to, we've got to understand this, Christ. It says, I have boldly and confidently have access through faith to Jesus. Manu. Sometimes the old man talks to me, but I need to get him back down to the, he's crucified, yeah? And that's why the old man has no right to talk to another old man. We have no right to talk to somebody else. And the Angus will short. I come up to Angus and I don't remind him about his old nature. I tell, I remind him who he is. I have boldness and I have confidence. I am formerly, I was formerly in darkness, but now I'm in the light. I am a citizen of heaven. I have peace in God who guards my heart and my mind. Even when I'm not peaceful, I have to believe that he is my peace. I have been made complete in Christ. Even when I feel empty, I know that I'm made complete in Christ. I've been raised up with Christ. My life is hidden in Christ is my life and he has revealed it to me in his glory, God, and I am his beloved. Friends, why am I sure I've got another seven more days of prayer and fasting? And I really believe and sense that the enemy is coming after us more strongly. And he's hitting us with who we are. So when our mind is rapid, we've got to get our truth. This is our truth. So if the enemy can rip off your garment and if he can steal your identity, he can wound you. And when he wounds you, you can not even know it. And I want to expose his filthy face and say to him, he is under our feet. So who are you? Amen? Ask your neighbor who they are. Who are you, neighbor? You don't have to answer that, by the way. <laughs> I can ask, she's my wife. 
Be upstanding in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So remember I said to us this morning that God's a God of invitation, that he doesn't come into places unless you allow, invite him in, yeah?